0: En primer lugar quiero dar gracias a ustedes por um, siempre recibirnos tan cordialmente us so y en verdad que nos sentimos en familia aquí we really feel like we're with here. Y cada vez tenemos más amigos and every day we make more friends y cuando venimos ya no nos alcanza el tiempo para estar con todos
1: and every time we come there's never enough time to be able to
0: spend time with everyone. Y eso nos hace sentir bien.
1: And that makes us feel good that we have so many to see here.
0: Y um, ya parece que estamos como un año acá. Like <laughs> Pero esta mañana yo cuando me desperté, um, la primera per- la que se me vino a mi mente fue el, Eh, el temor que el diablo puso en mi corazón.
1: And the first thing that happened when I woke up this morning is that the devil uh, came to me and put fear in my heart.
0: Porque uh, yo sentí que bueno, ahora me voy y felt
1: like, now, okay, now we're soon. ¿Y este año qué? And now what's going to happen with this year? ¿Qué viene?
0: What's next? Y uh, estuve con esto un tiempo.
1: And so this has been rolling around in my head for a little bit. Pero
0: cuando estuve leyendo un devocional,
1: but I was reading my devotional,
0: el Señor me dio una palabra que yo quería compartirla también con ustedes. The Lord gave
1: me a word that I really want to share with you today.
0: Es en Deuteronomio once. It's in Deuteronomy 11, chapter
1: eleven, versículo once y doce. Verses eleven and
0: twelve, Deuteronomy
1: eleven, eleven
0: and twelve. Y dice así: La tierra Que vas a poseer es tierra de montanas y de valles, regada por la lluvia del cielo. El Señor Dios es quien la cuida. Los ojos del Señor, su Dios, están sobre ella todo el año de principio a fin.
1: But the land which you cross over to possess is a land of hills and valleys which drinks water from the rain of heaven a land for which the Lord your God cares. The eyes of the Lord your God are always on it from the beginning of the year to the very end of the year. Y
0: el Señor cambió una palabra en mi corazón.
1: And so the Lord placed that word in my heart.
0: Y él puso en vez de tierra el año. Y dice, el año que vas a poseer es año de montaña y de valles. No es un valle, un año llano, liso, sino que va a haber.
1: <laughs> so the Lord instead of the word land, he put the word year in there. So it says the year which you cross over to possess is a year of hills and valleys, but it's not going to be a shallow year.
0: Va a haber tiempo de problemas y tiempo de paz.
1: But there's there's going to be times of problems and there's going to be times of peace.
0: Pero también dice que el Señor es que cuida este
1: tiempo,
0: y que el, los ojos del Señor van a estar sobre este año que comienza.
1: the eyes of the Lord will be upon this desde
0: beginning desde el principio, desde hoy, hasta el final
1: from the beginning, which is today, into the end of this year. Entonces yo
0: dije, si el Señor está conmigo, ya no tengo más temor.
1: So well, the Lord is with me, and he's watching over me, I have nothing to fear." Esto
0: trajo mucha paz a mi corazón.
1: So this gave me a lot of peace.
0: Y yo quería compartir esto porque muchas veces cuando comenzamos algo nuevo,
1: and I wanted to share this with you because a lot of times when we start something brand new,
0: siempre tenemos temor.
1: We always are fearful.
0: Temor a lo desconocido.
1: Fearful of the unknown
0: y a todas las mentiras que el diablo está poniendo en nuestra mente.
1: Pero el Señor
0: sacó eso de mi cabeza en esta mañana. Y estoy feliz. Porque sé que va a haber montaña. Pero el Señor va conmigo. Y va a mostrarme un sendero para que yo cruce.
1: He's El Señor that me mountain. dijo
0: también que estas montañas son necesarias para mi vida.
1: and the Lord also, also told me that these mountains will be necessary for me to cross Porque over. está
0: trabajando para para mi vida.
1: Because he is working in my life.
0: Y, bueno, yeah. and
1: that's what I wanted to
2: share with you. Gloria a Dios. Glory to God. Señor les bendiga.
1: God bless you all.
2: Uh, feliz Ano 2006. <laughs> and happy two
1: thousand six.
2: Yes, okay, don't <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know, it? was fun last night. Yep. Um,
2: me encanta eh, la iglesia el pueblo de Dios.
1: I love the people of God.
2: Amo al la novia del cordero.
1: I love the bride of the lamb
2: son mi familia.
1: You are all my family.
2: I love you. <laughs> bueno, muchas cosas ya dijo mi esposo.
1: <laughs> A lot of the things my husband already said.
2: Pero quiero compartir algo de mi corazón.
1: Like y
2: Dios habló conmigo aquí
1: the Lord en spoke la casa to me. de Venus. Vinas. Lord spoke to me here while we were in Venus's house.
2: Eh, una mañana yo estaba sola para hacer pan dulce.
1: One morning I was making uh, sweet bread uh, for the holidays, and I was by myself,
2: <laughs> y, uh, dije, "Señor, primero voy a estar contigo, un tiempo y después voy a trabajar.":
1: And I said to myself, "Well, first, I'll spend time with the Lord first with you, God, and then I'll get to work on the bread." Uh,
2: mientras tuve un tiempo de alabanza y de adoración, Dios me trajo una palabra para, para esta congregación que yo compartí con los pastores
1: and as I was praying, praising and worshiping God he gave me a word that was for this congregation that I've given to the pastors
2: y esa, uh, escritura se encuentra en Nehemiah, and capítulo that scripture cuatro.
1: is found in Nehemiah chapter 4 Nehemiah chapter 4
2: Nehemiah chapter
1: Nehemiah chapter
2: 4,
1: versículo
2: 14. Yo creo que todos conocemos la historia de
1: I believe we all know the story of Nehemiah.
2: El capítulo dice Precauciones contra los enemigos.
1: title of the chapter is The Wall Defended Against Enemies.
2: Nehemiah tenía muchos
1: enemigos.
2: Pero era un hombre muy valiente.
1: He was a, very brave man. a mí
2: me encantan Nehemías.
1: <laughs> uh, Nehemiah really impacts my life.
2: La palabra que Dios trajo a mi corazón fue esta.
1: And this is the word that the Lord brought to my heart.
2: Después miré y me levanté y dije a los nobles y a los oficiales y al resto del pueblo: No temáis delante de ellos, acordaos del Señor, grande y temible, y pelead por vuestros hermanos, por vuestros hijos por vuestras hijas por vuestras mujeres y por vuestras casas
1: and I looked and arose and said to the nobles to the leaders and to the rest of the people do not be afraid of them remember the Lord great and awesome and fight for your brethren your sons your daughters your wives and your houses Um, I've been an intercessor for a long time
2: Y he aprendido bastante a conocer y a oír la voz de Dios.
1: En el año en el 2005
2: que ya pasó. Pasé muchas cosas muy difíciles.
1: I went through a lot of very difficult things.
2: Y una de ellas la muerte de mi mamá.
1: And one of those was the death of my mother.
2: Pero Dios me sostuvo.
1: But the Lord held me up.
2: Hay situaciones muy duras que pasamos.
1: Those are very difficult situations that we all go through.
2: Que parece que, es a lo, que soy la única que estoy pasando eso.
1: And those are situations where it seems like you're all alone when you're going through that.
2: Pero Dios trabajó en mi corazón.
1: But the Lord worked in my heart. Y me dijo and he told me
2: que todas las
1: cosas
2: que estoy pasando
1: through,
2: obra para bien
1: are working for the good.
2: Yo puedo entender
1: and I can understand a otros this. and I can explain to others
2: cuando estoy pasando el dolor
1: that I can feel with them as they're going through the same pain that I went through.
2: Puedo saber and I can know que Dios
1: that God está conmigo. is with me.
2: Y yo doy gracias al Señor
1: and I thank the Lord
2: por cada situación
1: for every situation
2: difícil Por cada montaña, como dijo mi esposo,
1: for every difficult situation like the mountains that my husband mentioned
2: por la, por valles, de que
1: and also for the valleys and the rivers that, of God's water that flows in my heart.
2: Más y más y más and
1: I understood that in those difficult situations is the time where I search for the Lord the most.
2: Es necesario los amigos.
1: It is so necessary to have friends around. Pero
2: Dios conoce nuestro corazón.
1: But God is the one who knows our heart the best.
2: Ni mi esposo me puede ayudar cuando paso algo muy difícil.
1: My husband can help me out in those, those really difficult times.
2: Pero Dios sí.
1: But God can.
2: Y él fluye con su palabra.
1: he flows through my being with his word.
2: Eso estaba pasando con Nehemías.
1: That's what was happening with ellos Nehemiah. tenían
2: muchos adversarios,
1: they had so many adversaries,
2: y eran los propios hermanos en la fe, los judíos eran los judíos contra judíos,
1: and it was even some Jews against other Jews,
2: pero Nehemiah fue a dios,
1: but Nehemiah went to God,
2: y aquí la palabra dice um, sí, sí dice no temáis delante de ellos
1: so do not be afraid of them.
2: a veces parece que hay problemas muy grandes
1: y viene el temor and the, the fear comes in. y
2: el diablo te dice
1: es imposible
2: esto no tiene salida
1: There's no way out of this.
2: y Nehemiah dijo
1: and Nehemiah said, al
2: resto del pueblo
1: to the rest of the people of Israel,
2: acordado del Señor
1: remember the Lord.
2: grande Y temible Great. y pelead por vuestros hermanos.
1: Great and awesome, and fight for your brethren.
2: Gracias a Dios que somos una familia, un cuerpo.
1: Thank God that we are one family, one body.
2: Y Jesús dijo:
1: and Jesus said,
2: Llevad la carga,
1: take uno del otro, to each other.
2: y los intercesores
1: and the intercessors hacer eso. should do that carga take that burden
2: uno to each other Los the pastors mucho
1: have a lot of work Los to do leaders. all the leaders too
2: there's a lot of work Los intercessors
1: the intercessors a lado should put ourselves next to them
2: and pray Interceder
1: and intercede ellos. for them for for the children, Por sus nietos. for the grandchildren, for all the las nueras, for the grandchildren and the nueras. Amo a mi uh, yerno. <laughs>
2: le gusta dormir, pero le amo. <laughs>
1: oh. uh, he likes <laughs> to sleep, no but I love him. <laughs> <laughs> I almost didn't translate that part. Nos
2: reímos un poco. Gloria a Dios praise God <laughs> yeah. how are you Quiero dejar esta, esta palabra para la iglesia.
1: and so this is the word that I felt for the church
2: es un año de cosas nuevas
1: this is a year of new things
2: cosas grandes
1: great things
2: no sabemos lo que Dios va a hacer
1: we don't know what God's going to do yet
2: tiempos de cosecha
1: it's a time of harvest
2: cosechar almas
1: harvesting of souls
2: busca a Dios
1: Look to God
2: Busca tu tiempo
1: and look for your time and set that time apart La for
2: God. Para cada hijo de dios es el Señor primero
1: the the best the priority that each of the children of God should have is to put God first.
2: A mí me gusta mucho y duermo mucho. I
1: really like to sleep too. can <laughs> I do
2: pero dios. Me despierta a las 3 de la mañana para orar por otros.
1: But sometimes the Lord wakes me up at three in the to pray for other people.
2: Y yo dormida, <laughs> tengo que decir, está bien, Señor.
1: And I have to say, Lord, I'm really tired, but I'll do it.
2: Obedecer a Dios.
1: Obey God.
2: En la obediencia. Está la bendición.
1: Is the, is the
2: Debemos obedecer. Animo a las esposas animo a las esposas
1: so wives,
2: intercede,
1: intercede
2: por tu esposo husbands, por tus hijos es tiempo es muy fácil para desviar nuestra visión en este tiempo el enemigo usa Eh, situaciones para quitar la vista de Dios
1: it's so easy in this time to be distracted by different situations and the enemy will come against us to try to take our eyes off our relationship with God
2: hay muchas cosas
1: there's a lot of distractions
2: son buenas
1: some things are good
2: pero no es la prioridad
1: but they become the priority and that's not good
2: yo siempre entendí algo
1: I always understood something
2: ¿cuál es mi prioridad?
1: what is my priority
2: para mí es Dios
1: and for me it's God
2: y estoy agradecida
1: and I'm very thankful al to the Lord lo está for what he's doing in our lives and what he's going to continue to do
2: con mi
1: in my family la and in the church
2: I'm going you
1: so I believe with you.
2: Y todo lo que estás pasando,
1: that todo everything we're all going through,:
2: together, sea,
1: No matter how hard it is.:
2: The palabra de Dios dice.:
1: The word of the Lord says,
2: Al que cree, todo es posible.
1: He who believes everything is possible.
2: Yo les dejo con esta. Palabra.
1: So I leave you with this word.
2: Les amo mucho.:
1: We really love you.:
2: Gracias por amar a mis hijos.
1: And thank you for loving my children.
2: Están en mi corazón.
1: And you are all in my heart,
2: Señor. Les bendiga.
1: God bless you all.
2: Amen. Amen. Thank you.
3: These guys are leaving uh, this afternoon, and just pray for them as they go. The Lord bless you guys. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you. Good word. wasn't it? Both of them. All right, and this thing says low battery, but we'll see. Whose Bible is this? Jeremy's, <coughs> Jim's. I was going to say I might take that one. <laughs> I'm a Bible. That Did I I bought that for Jim? <laughs> Thank you, Lord.
0: <laughs>
3: yeah, Amen. Thank you for the the words. That was really the Lord. Thank you very much. It's really good. We. Always of light, Luis, and now we know why. It's his parents. <laughs> um, we got a little bit of time here. I was going to share uh, this message I feel like the Lord's given me. Hopefully, that's the only kind of message we share, but sometimes we share other stuff. <laughs> but I believe the Lord gave me this one, so I'll give it to you. It's not a really long message, but it is... Uh, You know, you always hear these things people share about what God's going to do, and I think she said it well, we don't know what God's going to do. (laughs) Not really, but I thought the Lord had shown me three things that He does want to do, okay? And uh, so I think there's three things. uh, I got this message, and I titled it, Three Things God Will Do in the Year 2006. And I believe this about what I'm fixing to share to you. I believe you can take these to the bank, okay? That God will do these things. And the reason I believe that is because God's already doing them. Okay? God's already doing what I want to say to you. All I want to do is try to show you what God's already doing because that's how we know what God's doing is by looking at what, by finding out what He's doing. You know, we don't, that's really the real truth when it really comes right down. What is God doing? How do I join Him? That's how you know God's will. So I want to read Matthew chapter 12, verse 22 through 30, and we have it on the screen. And this, I particularly, I chose this particular verse because one phrase in it, but this is a very powerful story. It says, "Then one was brought to him who was demon-possessed, blind and mute, and he healed him, so that the blind and mute man both spoke and saw." And all the multitudes were amazed and said, "Could this be the son of David?" And now, when the Pharisees heard it, they said, "This fellow does not cast out demons except by Beelzebub, the ruler of the demons but Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation and every city or house divided against itself will not stand if satan cast out satan he is divided against himself how then will his kingdom stand and if i cast out demons by beelzebub by whom do your sons cast them out therefore they shall be your judges but if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. And go back to that one, 28. Okay, that's the verse right there that I really want to point out to you. Jesus says, if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, and that's really, he was sort of giving us his secret to ministry, is the Spirit of God. You know, The Bible says Jesus is the way, Right? Now, that means lots of things. One, it means he's the way to the Father. He's the way, but he also, he's the way you do it. Okay? He's the way you do it. And he says, This is the way I do it. He didn't cast out demons because he was the Son of God. Okay? He cast out demons as a man by the Spirit of God. Okay? And that takes all the pressure off of us, doesn't it? Because we know that Je- that's how Jesus chose to do it. He chose to demonstrate God's power. Okay, by the Spirit of God, not by himself being the Son of God. Everybody clear on that? That's important. So he says, If I do this by the Spirit, if I cast out demons, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. Okay, I'll read the rest. Or how can one enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man? Then he will plunder his house. That's what the Lord wants to do. He wants to plunder. There was a book years ago called plundering hell to populate heaven. That's what the Lord really wants to do, is plunder hell. He really does. I mean, if you really get right down to it, He is out to plunder hell, and hell being hell on earth. Okay? Because we have hell here. That's why He said pray for for heaven to come, so that heaven can come and displace the hell that's here. All right? And if you don't believe that, you ask uh, any person who has been anyone... If you notice in the paper lot, there's been lots of children murdered by their parents recently. It's this outburst in North Carolina. I'm really concerned about it, of parents beating kids to death. That's hell, man. That should not be. A parent should never beat their children to death. We're talking about little babies. All right, he who is not with me is against me, and he who does not gather with me scatters abroad. So um, the Lord wants us to see that that we are in this spiritual conflict between heaven and hell. And I wanted to give you the Matthew 12:30 from the Message Bible, which I love the Message Bible. The way they say things is so, you know, good. Uh, this is a war. This is a war. And there's no neutral ground. Now, we have to settle that. We're in a war. There's a conflict going on. And there's no neutral ground. Now, it is a war that, that the Lord has already won. But the war nevertheless continues. And there's no neutral ground. You cannot decide that you're not going to be a part of this war because you're in the war, like or not. You were in the war the moment you were born into this earth. You were born into a, into a you know, a, a battlefield. Now, if you're not on my side, this is what Jesus said: you're the enemy. Okay, that's speaking of people who, who don't have a relationship with Christ. They're the enemy. You know, they they they're aligned with the enemy. Okay, not them personally being the enemies of Christ, but because they are not with Christ they're with the enemy alright if you're not helping you're making things worse now get that if you're not helping if you're not involved doing what God is doing and you're making things worse there's no neutral ground you can't say well I'm not doing any bad therefore I'm okay that's not acceptable Christianity that's not what Jesus said no he said no if you're you're not actively involved in my kingdom then you're not doing you're making things worse they really should be Everybody with me on that? It is. It's it's really what, you know. So we have to really be intentional about this. We really have to pursue this. Okay? And uh, so I want to tell you, you know, it says from the kingdom of God in verse 28 there, it says, uh, If I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. And that's really what Jesus wants to do. He wants to bring the kingdom of God upon us. Okay? And there's ways of knowing when the kingdom of God is coming and the way this happened in this case, Jesus cast a demon out of a man and he said, Listen, Satan is not going to cast himself out. If I'm casting out demons by the Spirit of God, then you know the kingdom has come near, the kingdom's come upon you. And he said that's just just a sure way of knowing this thing. So um uh, what I wanted to tell you is I think these are some things where I see the kingdom of God coming near to us, okay? Three things that I really believe. Are you all with me on this deal? All right, number one, okay, uh, God wants to deliver and heal people, okay? God wants to deliver and heal people. This is, amen. Thank you, Lord. But not only does God want to deliver them, one of the things I believe God wants to begin to do in the year 2006 is He wants to begin to restore to people what was taken from them, what they lost. You hear what I'm saying? Not only He wants to deliver you from evil, He wants to heal you physically, spiritually, mentally, whatever, but He also wants to get back what was lost to you. And um, the only way I, I... The way I want to describe this to you, I mean, I could describe some other people in this room's experience on being healed and delivered, but that wouldn't be necessarily a good thing to do. Um, I want to share something that happened to me personally. And this happened to me on Christmas Eve morning, okay? Christmas Eve morning, I woke up, and the moment I opened my eyes, when I became conscious, I was, was immediately... Thinking about something that happened in my life, and this is what happened when I was 16 years old. When I was 16 years old, there was going to be a concert at a local community college in Richmond County where I grew up, and me and my friends were going to go to this concert. So we stayed up all that night, Saturday night, drinking and doing drugs in preparation for this concert. And we were, you know, by Sunday morning at 11 o'clock, you know it was a pretty pitiful sight, really, but we you know we were and we were we were doing hard drugs i mean not we weren 't just smoking marijuana and drinking beer i mean the beer drinking was sort of a just something to do. We were doing very hallucinogenic drugs that were really the thing l s d and that mescaline that kind of thing. We were just doing that stuff because we wanted to go have this go to this concert and have a big time that 's really what we were doing, so on the way to the concert, which is Somewhere around midday, we were headed that way. We stopped at a 7-Eleven and went in there to buy. And can you imagine? I mean, if I was a 7-Eleven guy and this group of guys come walking in, <laughs> you know, we look like deaf warmed over. Like, God. call the police, <laughs> which they did. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, in my messed up state of mind, is I decided. And I don't know why to this day I decided to do this because I had a pocket full of money, which I got illegally by selling drugs, by the way. I decided I would steal something from the store. So I stole a bag of peanuts. (laughs) I stuck them down in my pants. and It was all just for the thrill, really. Okay? Well, we get up there to the counter, and everybody's paying for their stuff, and I come up to the counter, and the guy said, "'You're going to pay for that bag of peanut stuff in your pants?' (laughs) I said, yeah, I am. I'm just kidding. And as I was saying that, the police were walking in the door, and I was arrested. And I, you know, so they took me to the police station. Since I was a minor, they called my dad. My dad came, and they released me to my dad because my dad knew the guy who owned the store who decided he wouldn't press charges against me because of my relationship with my dad. My dad took me home, and when I got home, the pastor of our church that I didn't go to was there waiting for me and my dad. And he gets in the car with me and my dad and I spend the next 3 hours of my life saying the most vile things a person could say. That's what I did for the next 3 hours and I said some of the awfulest stuff to my daddy and to that pastor that it was and that's why when I when I was, when I was singing my I said, "Lord, that was one of the worst days of my life." The stuff I could say because it was like demons were talking through me. And I you I can forever ingrained the look on my daddy's face. And I'm going to tell you, my daddy was a guy. He was a tough guy. He was the kind of guy you didn't mess with. If you messed with him, he would knock you down. So you never talked back to him. He would walk all over. you. But that was one day when my daddy was crushed of all the things I said. And that pastor, I mean, he was just like dumbfounded. He didn't know what to do. And I said to the Lord, Lord, that was one of the worst days of my life in terms of not getting caught stealing, but in terms of what I said, because I knew that I had said things that should have never been said. And, uh, you know, that was sort of the, my thing. And, and I was, as I was pondering on that, I had a vision. And in this vision, this person appeared to me and sh- 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 stuck his finger at me and said, I may be old, but I still have something for you in a real threatening way. And I thought, man, I was 16 years old. It was a 20-year-old guy I was with there. And that was what that 28-year-old guy would have looked like today, probably, that person who appeared to me. So I thought, man, what in the world is this Lord? What is this?" And so I got up and I prayed, and then when Becky got up and came in, I said, I just said, "Listen, I thought I like the Lord shown me that on that day or in my life, is I gave people influence into my life that really... Led me astray real bad, and it caused me to really, really sin. I really feel like there was something that the Lord's trying to reveal to me that I need to that I've allowed people to influence me where only God should influence me, and I need to really get set free from the curse that that thing brought into my life through my, in, you know, by allowing that and the things that I spoke out that day. I'm, there, there's some spiritual connection in my life that's harming me and hurting me over that. So we prayed, and I did you know everything you're supposed to do, I asked the Lord to forgive me and renounce what I'd said, and really got, really felt the Lord come on me, and as we were doing this, Becky began to weep and said, "I just can't tell you how grieved God was over your life." That's what she said to me, that the Lord's heart was broken, that your life went the way it went. And when she said that, it really brought so much comfort to me it was incredible that I knew that God really cared about me during those days when I was just as, as vile as the day is long. I knew that God was really caring, and He He was heartbroken over what happened in my life. And it really just brought a lot of comfort to me. So then, you know, I'm happy. The Lord's blessed me. I feel like I've gotten some release in my life. Next day's Christmas Day. You know, we're doing the having the Christmas packages opening. And... I get this gift. Um, Becky gives me this gift, okay? It's my first gift, and it's and it's a book. And I'm thinking, I'm like, why don't she give me a book? <laughs> she, she can't be buying me books for credit. I buy my own books. <laughs> you know, that was my first thought, you know. And I, then I opened the book, and it was... Uh, what's the title of that book? It's Richmond County and the Seaboard Airline Railway. It's a pictorial history of the railroad, which... Was the, like the main industry, and actually, my daddy worked for the Seaboard Airline Railway, which is named something else now. Over you know years of, but I look at this book, and I was you know it was just pictures mainly, and some things. I was looking at it, and it was nice, you know. <laughs> but it's not like I'm not really interested in the history of Richmond County. I'll be honest with you, I don't care about that place really. I hate that place. If you want another truth, I hated it because all my memories of it were sorrow. I had a sorrowful childhood. I had a sorrowful teenage years. That's the way I felt about it, and I hated the place. and I wanted to block it out of my mind. Then she said, "Did you read the note in the front of it?" And here is what the note was: "To Byron, hope you enjoy the memories of home." And when she said that, it was like a sword pierced my heart. I wanted to start crying right then and there, but I wouldn't. You know, I got <laughs> forcing these tears back in. Go back, you know. Don't show your emotions. But I knew what the Lord was saying to me, connected with the thing that He had done the day before, that God was trying to heal something in my life, that He wanted to heal my memories because my memories were wounded and hurt. And I was a hurt person from that thing. And immediately the Lord gave me a verse of Scripture, Joel 2.25. And this is what it says, So I will restore to you, I will restore to you, the years that the swarming locust has eaten. The crawling locust, the consuming locust, and the chewing locust. Four kinds of locusts: swarming locust, crawling locust, consuming locust, and chewing locust. I mean, no matter what crawled into your life and chewed you up, no matter what swarmed you in your life, God was saying to me, Listen, not only do I want to heal your memories I want to restore what I meant to have for you when you were that 16 year old boy living a life of crime I had a plan for you then and somehow and I don't know how God does it it's spiritual but somehow God can take the years of our lives the times in our lives and the things that we lost not because God wanted us to lose them but because of, of the world we live in, because the, the satanic powers, because of our own rebellion, that He can take and He can not only heal you and deliver you from the effects and things, but He can take whatever you lost and He can give it to you. And you can walk out with something that you didn't have. You don't know how you got it? Maybe. But it was something He meant for me to have when I was a 16-year-old boy that God had a plan for me, and He was grieved. And now He was finally saying, now, finally, all these years, Byron, you're a place where I can begin to release to you the things I had for you then. Yes. That's and that's really the truth. And there's people in this room, you've been robbed. And Satan has robbed you blind. He's pickpocketed you. And He can really do that. So God, that's one thing. I, and I believe, and, and I could tell you stories in this room today of people sitting in this room who I've seen God deliver from demonic things. And I've seen God heal some hearts in this room. You know, and things sort of all get clumb, clumbed together, you know, <laughs> because usually wounds is what causes the demons. When, you know, they're like flies get attracted to us, and next thing you know, you've got some stronghold. And I don't believe that a demon can live inside of me as a Christian. I don't believe that, but I believe in strongholds. I think that's what Paul said. Strong, and also Paul said another thing in Second uh, Corinthians 7. one. What did he say? Let us be cleansed in our flesh and our spirit of all filthiness. There's filthiness that gets in us. Filthiness from the enemy. And God wants to go in, clean that filthiness out of your heart, clear your heart, deliver you from those things, but He wants to restore. He wants to restore. And it's available. And I believe this is something God will do in our lives. Now, there's an enemy to it. And uh, I just wanted to tell you what the enemy is. Is and the Lord gave me that same other scripture, you know, the, the restorer to you. Paul gives us that same same thought. Romans eight twenty eight, she quoted. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. In other words, that's Paul's New Testament view of, of the restoration. But you gotta be you gotta guard yourself against being skeptical and unbelieving. You hear what I'm saying to you? I was sharing with somebody about this, a friend, a person who had been a Christian for 35 years at least, about how God delivered me, and he was very skeptical about my experience. Very skeptical. And you know what? I thought about that thing. It is said that a man, a man with an experience is never at the mercy of a man with an argument. You hear that? A man with an experience is never at the mercy of a man with an argument. In other words, while he was saying to me, I'm thinking, you know, you can believe that, but all I know, I'm telling you the truth. God did something in my life. God did something in my life. So you can have your theology that says, No, that doesn't happen to Christians. Forget it. Have your theology. But I know what God did in my life. You know, I know that Jesus came and Jesus began to set me free and heal me and wants to restore to me things that were robbed, so have, have your old crummy theology. You know. But so I think we had to be careful about what we believe and being critical and cynical about stuff like this. That's the enemy of it. Amen, that's the first thing. All right, I'll get you the second thing. Are you all with me? Amen. That's right. Let it rain, Lord. All right, God will give us what we prayed for, prayed and longed for. All right, God, I believe God's going to give us what we've been praying and longed for, and longed for. All right, now let me read a quote from a book that I read. There's two things I want to read to you that, that, was, that I read that really struck me. First, it comes from a quote. I can't remember the name of the book for some reason, but this guy, named, guy that Palmer introduced me to named Bill Johnson, he writes the book called Heaven on Earth, When Heaven Invades Earth. All right, he wrote this. This is what he said. I thought this was profound. Listen to this. I have witnessed... Now, Bill Johnson is a pastor, but he's also sort of a revivalist kind of guy. He goes and does big conferences, and God really uses him in tremendous ways. And this is what he said. I have witnessed God's touch upon thousands of people in this present outpouring. Conversions, healings, restored marriages, addictions broken, and the demonized set free. The list of how lives have been changed is gloriously long and increasing daily. Yet... As these have been changed, there has have always been those in the same meeting who can hardly wait for the service to end and get out the door. One person recognizes God's presence and is forever changed, and the other never realized what could have been. you see you see what he's saying, what he and what he's experiencing, and I think we're we've experienced them not to the level that he's experiencing. God doing miraculous things in people's lives, yet there's people that is just a, they're oblivious to it. And like he said, in the same meeting, God healing, God touching, God doing things, and there's other people that just can't wait for it to get over because they're misery, you know, they're so they're bored stiff. And that's what we've got to guard against is that very kind of thing. You hear what I'm saying to you? Because the way maybe God's moving now is not the way we thought he was going to move. We thought, oh, the move of God is going to be wonderful. Everybody's gonna know we all gonna get splattered and plastered. Maybe that's not the way he's choosing to do it. And actually if you read the New Testament, when Jesus came, that wasn't the way he did it. Because people were saying, Hey, you're doing this is the devil doing this. They were missing God. You think we we're not susceptible to the same thing? Are you all with me on that one? All right, let me read a little bit more. Now, this is another man named uh, R.T. Kendall. Okay? R.T. Kendall, you know, he was a pastor for 25 years in the Westminster Chapel. He's a Nazarene. Got saved when he was four years old. Got called in the ministry when he was 19. Said he was driving down the road in his car, and Jesus appeared to him, sitting in the seat of the car. His life was it, forever changed. All his life, he said, I long for revival all my life. I longed for something because he had this experience with God that forever marked him. So he spent, so he spent 25 years at Westminster Chapel in London, which is a famous, great, you know, church that you didn't wouldn't think the Lord would move in. He spent 25 years really preaching revival there at that church, but he said I don't, I don't think we ever really got a revival there. So he goes is invited to Kenya by some missionaries in Kenya to go and speak to these missionaries at a conference they were doing. And he goes there, and he speaks to these missions. These were, I mean, we're talking missionaries. We're talking about people who've given their life for the gospel, poured their life out to go to Kenya and serve God there. And he was there, and but he heard about this particular church, this particular move of God there, that was not necessarily a part of the missionary thing. So when he finished doing what he was sent to do over there, he, I want to go to one of these meetings that they're having, this church, this. And this particular meeting he wound up going to was a meeting that happened in the afternoons at City Hall, whatever City Hall looks like in Nairobi, Kenya. And it was people who were on their way from home from work that were gathering that they did on a regular basis to pray. It was just a prayer meeting. That's all it was. It wasn't some big deal. You know, it was just people getting together to pray. So he goes to this meeting. He says, you know, there's one guy in the front that's got a microphone, and there's, you know, six or seven hundred you know, Kenyans in this room, and there's no worship, there's no preaching. The guy starts the prayer, and he said, The room abrupts in prayer. And there's the power of God in there. And he said, He just sat there in his chair and wept. Because that he realized, I, This is what I have been looking for all my life. This is what I felt when the Lord visited me that day. I'm here in this moment, God is powerfully moving. In Kenya, He's, there's a revival here, and, and this revival took the form of this powerful prayer meeting. okay? Well, let me just read to what R. T. said uh, Kendall said, because he said there's something ironic because on floor one, you've got these guys meeting and praying on floor two of this same building, you've got the missionaries that are diligently crying out to God, "Please bring revival, okay? And this is what he said. Uh, what breaks your heart is that these good people, he's talking about the missionaries upstairs praying for revival, don't realize that their prayers were being answered. They don't realize their very prayers they were praying were being answered one floor below in another meeting. Okay, The problem was they did not recognize what was going on in this auditorium as being revival. That's what he said. They didn't recognize that the thing they were praying for was happening and they didn't recognize it. How many Jews have cried out for the Messiah? He shows up and they didn't recognize it. It's the common problem of man. That's what I'm saying to you. It's the common, our common problem. We can be cried out for God to move some things that many of you in here have desired all your life and they have been happening possibly. And you don't see it. That's awful. And then he goes on and says this. Are we ready for answered prayer? And that's a question we need to ask ourselves. Are we ready for answered prayer? What if revival came and we missed it? What if revival came and we missed it? These are RT's words. All because it did not fit the mold we think revival will fit. Those guys, sincere missionaries, gave their life for the gospel, moved over to this country, poured their lives out, and because the revival didn't fit their mold, they were missing it. You think those guys, we're any different from those guys? I don't think we are. I think we could miss it. So, here's a couple things. Now, I said, God will give us what we prayed and longed for. I think he's starting to do that. We're starting to see little pockets. Anytime you see a person that gets any I know one night there was 40 people here. We're talking about doing all this, you know, second service thing. And I said, how many people in this room have been healed since we started doing this, praying for the sick? Ten people raised their hand. That's ten people that the kingdom of God has come near. Ten people. That's a little move of God. We've got to start seeing things like that. You know? Yeah, you could be in the same meeting saying, hey, this is the worst church service I've ever been in in my life. You see what I'm saying? How easy we can miss the Lord? Well, here's one thing the Lord woke me up with this verse. This is the, the enemy to this is your natural thinking. Is uh, Isaiah 55, put that up there. Are you all with me? We're coming around the corner, man. This is what I woke up. You know, one day this past week with this thing going through my mind. My thoughts, Byron, my thoughts are not your thoughts. My thoughts are not your thoughts. My thoughts are not your thoughts. That's why it just kept rolling. Nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. the Lord was saying that to me. Listen, you want to find out what I'm doing? You want to see what I'm doing? You don't want to not miss it. You've got to change the way you think, son. you've got to repent remember I told you about this repentance I'm going to keep telling you because that to me is the secret repent means change your mind stop seeing it the way you see it quit doing that that's why Jesus said repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand no words. the only way you're going to see this kingdom of heaven that's what Jesus was saying now I'm not making this up is you've got to change the way you think you've got to realize God's thoughts are not my thoughts and nor, nor will there ever be until I humble myself and say to God, You are absolutely right, God. I've got to change the way I think. I've got to start asking You, Please, Lord, please give me Your thoughts. I ask You to give me what do You think? What do You see? What do You hear? What are You saying? That'll keep you from missing what God's doing. You hear what I'm saying? If those wonderful, beautiful servants of God in Nairobi... Would do that, they would realize, hey, God just showed me the revival we're praying for is happening downstairs. Let's rush down there and get in it. That's what they would do. Are y'all with me? So I think we had to continually stop living from this reality and ask God to let us live from His reality. There's another reality. This reality is a fake reality. Go watch the movie, uh, what's that movie? Matrix, the first one. Two realities. One wasn't real. We're living in the unreal reality here. Earth, what's going on? This is, the, this is not the real thing. The real thing is invisible. We're meant to live from that. And God's, And it says in Corinthians that God's given us the Holy Spirit to be able to get this, to be able to catch this. And as we submit to the Holy Spirit, He'll let us catch it. So I believe the Lord will answer our prayers. We need to ask ourselves, are we ready for answered prayer? Let's ask, Let's keep repenting. Let's stay in that repentance mode. Okay, the last thing... This is great, man. Number three, I think the thing that God will do is God will further establish us in grace and clarify our purposes. He will further establish us in grace and and clarify our purposes. And this is how the Lord spoke this to me. I had this dream. Man, I have all kinds of great stuff. You know, when I'm sleeping and when I'm just waking up because any other time the Lord's saying, he's just too hard to get to. (laughs) He's crazy, you know. (laughs) Get him when his guard's down. (laughs) You know, but I had this dream. Here's what the dream was. This is a profound dream. In the dream, I went to this place, I know exactly the words, I won't say it. It's a ministry training school. And they were teaching the students how to walk in grace by doing a natural thing. They had this harness that they hooked up to the students, and it would pull them up in the air, and they would have them walk on air. Okay, they were out there walking on air with his harness, and they were saying to the students, this is the way grace works. This is the way grace works. uh, You've overcome gravity. You've overcome something. And that's how it... We're we're letting you see this so you'll get it in your mind. That's the way grace works. Grace has overcome something. And I thought about the Scripture. It says, For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Two laws fighting each other. And in that... Dream. I saw what they were trying to do is they were defying gravity within people. You know, the law of aerodynamics defies gravity. It's a greater law. And then you, this is the way grace works. Then then the person in charge said this. He says, Now that you're walking in grace, tell me what your purpose is. Write your purpose down. So I'm thinking, Cool, that's easy for me. I can do that. I'm a pastor. I know how to walk, write my, my purpose down. You know? So I got this notebook, which I realized was like the my book of my life. And I was thumbing through it, trying to find an empty page. There was stuff scribbled on pages. It was ridiculous, It was a mess. I thought, man, my life is messed up. Lord, isn't it? You know, oh, you know, I have stuff written sideways on. You ever saw my notes? Uh, but then the Lord started giving me. You want your, you want your purpose? I mean, this is happening in the dream. Yeah, I take measure. My purpose, I started writing it down. I found an empty little spot on one sheet on the page. My purpose is to wherever God sends me to bring the kingdom, the gospel of the kingdom of God. And I will do this by preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God, ministering to the poor, healing the sick, healing the broken heart, setting people free who are demonized. Then I put in parentheses... See Luke four, eighteen and nineteen. That's what I did on it now. That was my purpose that I was writing in my dream. And I woke up and I was thinking about it, I said, I was telling Beggy about it. I said, Don't that just seem sort of like some lofty purpose in life? You got that word lofty up there, lofty. You know, don't that seem so lofty to you? How can I think such a thing by, about myself? How can I believe that God would want to do that? That that's my purpose. How can I believe it? And she said, you, you don't even believe what you tell other people. <laughs> I do believe what I tell other people. It's for them, but not for me. I don't believe it for myself. <laughs> but then the Lord gave me, this is when I was waiting, Colossians 3, 1 through 3. This is great. Now let's get lofty here. All right? This is it. If then you were raised with Christ, that's the grace thing. The grace puts you up there with Jesus, setting up there, what Paul says, seated with Christ in the heavenly places. Lofty, right? If, if that's true about you, if you are established in that fact, if you are established in grace, seek those things which are above, the lofty things, the heavenly things. And it is true. I think people have shared this in this church. Is In heaven, there is not one sick human being in heaven that's what we should be seeking when we pray for people. Well, there ain't nobody seeking heaven. Good Lord, heal this person. There's nobody ashamed in heaven, Lord. We need to break the shame off this person. We need to bring you know heaven into their life. So where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. And, all right, verse 2. Set your mind, or more accurately Greek, set your affections on things above, not on things of the earth. Now that's what... Paul is telling us to do. That's how he's telling us the Christian life is meant to be lived. Is we need to, we need to be so heavenly minded. It's, it's insanely ridiculous. And that sh- statement, "so heavenly minded, no earthly good" is not a really biblical, accurate statement. Because I believe the more heavenly minded we are, the more earthly good we're going to be. We can't help but be that. All right. So set your mind on things above. Set your affection on things not on things on, on the earth. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. That's where you're really at. You're with Christ in God in the throne room right now. That's where you really are, and we have to start living from that. So grace puts you puts you on. Grace puts you in heaven. Grace puts you there. That's how those people are walking around up there in the air. Just grace put them up there. We're teaching you. This is what grace does. Well, you put. Now that you know that, now that you are setting up there, what is your real purpose in life? What is it? Tell you, ask yourself that question. What's your real purpose? So I came up with this great idea. Okay, I thought, you know what we could do? We could have a little seminar. And what, I can't figure out how to do the, maybe get some kind of wire or something to string people along on it. Teach them something about grace and then tell them to do what I did and sit down and write out your purpose. What is your purpose? And here's here's the enemies of the grace, the self-effort is an enemy of grace. And lesser purposes are enemy of your purpose in God. So, are y'all with me on that? So let me read those three things to you right quick. Like, number one, God will not only deliver and heal, God wants to restore what's been taken from us. This is some things that God wants to do. God is doing. That's the first one. All right, number two, God wants to give us what we have always prayed and longed for. What have you always prayed and longed for? God wants to give it, but you've got to be careful because you can miss it if you're just stuck up here in the old natural carnal mind. You need a renewed mind. All right, so, oh, I didn't give you that scripture. Let me give you this on that one. You've got to get this scripture. Genesis 28, 16. You got that one, Brian? This is quickie on that one. I love this scripture. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place. I did not know it. He didn't know it. We don't need to be those kind of people. Well, the Lord was there. Good. I didn't know He was. It was too late. You know, that would be a bad testimony. And then say, the Lord wants us to know when He's somewhere, know when He's moving, and know that. We need to know that. And God wants to give us that. He really, everybody, everybody. It's not just for special people. It's all of us. We've got to have it. And then the last one was he wants to further establish, establish us in grace and he wants to clarify your purpose as being kingdom, kingdom purpose. Amen? So those are three things that God wants to do in two times day. And like I say, I guarantee you, you can take them to the bank because God's already doing that in people's lives. Amen?